Welcome. Are we on? There we are. Good morning once again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson and I am the senior pastor here. It is our privilege to have you with us. Um, if you're a guest with us, you didn't notice, but if you're not a guest, you notice things look a little different on the stage. Pastor Kevin is sick this morning, so uh, thankful for uh, Deanna jumping in and uh, filling in along with all of our other praise team members. We are blessed to not have to miss a beat when folks miss, and uh, that's uh, whether that's any, any of our pastoral staff. There's so many of y'all that step up and handle the, the, uh, the things as, as they come our way, so we're really grateful for that. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, we'll get there in just a minute. Let me give you a few announcements as you're turning to Revelation chapter 12. Um, I know that Christmas is here, but uh, just a, a reminder for those of you that want to make a charitable contribution that you can count off on your taxes, you have two Sundays left to do that. So just keep that in mind. You can do that through the end of the year. Uh, Lord's been really good and blessed us financially this year. We're so thankful for your giving. I do want to remind you, you uh, we have not yet met our Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal. So please, if you've not yet given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to put people like Luke and Patty Talbert and others on the international mission field, I remind you that every dollar that you give through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes directly to missionaries on the field. We keep none of those dollars here. None of them even goes to administrative costs. It goes directly to those on the field, so I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, you can also continue to give to, uh, to your church as uh, the Lord continues to call us to do things for Him and to serve our community. So uh, we are excited for all that God's done, but I just want to give you that little housekeeping uh, business. Beyond that, let me give you just a few other announcements. As uh, Pastor Adam has mentioned, we do have our choir cantata tonight. Uh, Deanna, again, is going to fill in uh, faithfully for Kevin, as Kevin can't be here, unfortunately. But uh, uh, you guys come tonight and support our choir, children's choir, adult choir, and others in between that have put so much in that will be um, performing that this evening at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow night, there is a drop-in at my house. Our staff hosts this every single year. There was an email that went out to you this morning, as well as uh, invitations that you've seen in the newsletter and other places. We would ask you and invite you to come. Uh, we will feed you. We'll be there from 530 to 730, so come. Stop by on your way home from work. Eat dinner. There will be lots of good finger foods and desserts. And if the weather cooperates, we'll have s'mores for the kids and all this other stuff. So uh, please come by. If you don't know where we live, just ask me, and I'll be happy to tell you. Um, we do have the candlelight service this Wednesday night. Uh, that's going to be out front again as long as the weather cooperates. That will be out on the front lawn. We're very excited about that. We did that last year because of pandemic, and this year it just was so much fun last year. This year we're going to try and do it just the same way again. So we will observe the Lord's Supper on, Sunday, on Wednesday night as well. So I would invite you to come and join with us in that. And then as Pastor Adam has mentioned also, our Christmas Eve service, I believe that's Friday at 4. I know it's Friday. I believe it's at 4 o'clock. So uh, I would invite you to come and participate in that. Just a short service for Christmas Eve, just as a great reminder for why it is that we celebrate Christmas. So we would invite you to participate in all of those things as they are ahead of us this week. All right, we're in Revelation chapter 12. This has been, or this is the message I've been looking forward to since January the 1st, just to be totally honest. We have worked our way through the entire Bible. Uh, we began in January, in January preaching in the book of Genesis, and we've preached our way systematically through the Bible. Hopefully many of you have kept up in your reading and you've read systematically through the Bible this year. 
next Sunday. Uh, assuming that Kevin is well, he should be by then. But uh, uh, next Sunday, Pastor Kevin is actually going to wrap all this up with a with a, a message that kind of ties in all the loose loose ends together from Genesis to Revelation, the way that the Lord bookends that uh, that that period, that story of His work in history and His Word. But this morning, what we're going to look at is the scene of Christ's birth in the spiritual realm. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we see this dragon that makes an appearance in Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that in this piece of apocalyptic literature this morning, Father God, we would see Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The dragon slayer of Christmas. It is my belief that this passage of Scripture gives us a picture of the nativity from the spiritual realm. As a result of that, I'm pretty convinced that your nativity scene at your house is almost certainly inconsistent with God's revealed revelation. Most of you have nativity scenes around your house. We have nativity scenes in our house. And all of you probably have your wise men set up right beside your nativity scene. We know from the Bible's record that the wise men weren't there on the day Jesus was born. Jesus was two years old before the Magi showed up from the east. But because we are lazy, we don't move them, right? Uh, we, we instead, we set our nativity scenes up. And some of you have lots of nativities around your home. And you've got them all together. And, and the little wise men are standing there looking over the baby Jesus with their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. If we're really going to be honest about what's going on, maybe the best thing we do is we put our wise men across the room or in, a, in another room, and maybe somewhere around February, we'd leave everything set up. We'd move the wise men in, right? Just boom, here we are. We finally completed the Bible story. But there's another thing that's missing from your nativity scenes. I bet you none of you have a great red dragon sitting at the manger. The most biblically accurate picture in the nativity should probably look so like something out of the Lord of the Rings. This should look like something that J.R.R. Tolkien has dreamed up for us with Smaug sitting there waiting to devour the child. Folks, the book of Revelation, especially right here in Revelation chapter 12, serves as a great reminder to us that we live in the midst of a cosmic struggle. There is a real Satan who opposes God and the people of God, but there is hope. There is a Savior. The dragon sought to destroy Christ. But folks, we celebrate Christmas because Jesus has overcome. The dragon sought to destroy Christmas, but Jesus has overcome. This morning in this passage of Scripture, I'd like to ask you this question. Is Jesus really enough? Is Jesus really enough? When I put that question into my word processor this week, 
it sought to correct me because truthfully I don't have to add really in there as a modifier in this sentence for it to be grammatically correct. As a matter of fact, Microsoft Word didn't like for me to include really in there. I had to include really because I wanted to give a really strong emphasis to you. We could simply ask, is Jesus enough? But I really wanted to, I keep saying really, I wanted to dig in and ask that question, is he really enough? In other words, we say that Jesus is enough, but do we really apply that truth in us? Do we really live as though Jesus is enough? There's three truths that I want to point out in this passage. This sermon's a little different than the sermons I usually preach. You're not going to walk away with quite as many imperatives from this sermon as you normally would. I like for there to be imperatives in my sermon. Now remember an imperative is a command or an action statement. And I like those to exist because I want you to leave with a whole lot of so what in a message. I would like for you to leave service on Sunday morning and be able to make application for the things that were said. But this morning there are fewer imperatives This morning instead, there's a lot more for us to chew on and think through. And when it's all said and done, I hope that you will leave with this thing to chew on. Is Jesus really enough? Am I really giving him all that I have? Am I really leaning upon him? Am I really trusting in him? I hope that we can sort of fill out your hope, your expectation, your experience of Christmas, not only in 2021, but in all the years to come, as we look at the dragon who sought to destroy Jesus. And the dragon slayer who has delivered us all. The first thing I want to point out this morning is that the war on Christmas isn't what you think. The war on Christmas isn't what you think. Now, this morning in my office, I tried to find a a news article that I'd I'd seen a headline for at some point last week. And I I didn't spend just about, uh, I don't know, 27 seconds looking for it. It probably wasn't all that important. But but it was a, a news article about the supposed war on Christmas. That's what the headline was, the supposed war on Christmas. Do you know there's always been a war on Christmas? There has always been a war on Christmas. But the war on Christmas probably isn't what you think. It's not Fauci pouring cold water on our holiday parties. That was supposed to be funny. Nobody laughed. I'm not going to look up. Um, the war on, Christmas isn't, war on Christmas isn't holiday trees or winter break. The real war on Christmas is much larger, more sinister, and longer lasting than many of us realize. Dr. Seuss's Grinch had a plan to keep Christmas from coming. But even the Grinch was merely a faint shadow of a darker and more dangerous reality. If Revelation 12 is, as I believe, a picture of Christ's birth in the spiritual realm, then Revelation shows us the real war on Christmas. The opposer of God's people, the great enemy Lucifer, Satan, who rebelled against God. The Bible says right here that he took down a third of the stars of heaven, a a figurative picture for us to appreciate that when Satan was cast from heaven, he took a third of God's angels with him. This great enemy who sought to elevate himself to an equal standing with Father God. This great enemy of Christ stood ready not only to oppose the Christ child, but to destroy the Christ child at his birth. See, if Revelation 12 is, as I believe, a picture of Christ's birth in the spiritual realm, then it shows us that the real war on Christmas began 
Before Jesus ever walked the face of the earth, the real war on Christmas was a war to keep Jesus from ever arriving. It was a war to keep salvation from ever coming into the world. It was a war to keep God from saving his people from their sin. A war to keep people separated from their God and to cease any hope or preparation for reconciliation. See, I believe that Revelation chapter 12 shows us a great cosmic struggle and it serves as a great reminder that that which we celebrate as as a night of peace and tranquility was anything but one writer chad bird has suggested a couple of christmas carols that could capture the dark spiritual reality of christmas silent night violent night hell and heaven meet to fight how about this one Hark, the herald angels sing, a dragon waits to eat our king. The war on Christmas is not what you think. It's not a war to be fought on social media and in the news. The war on Christmas is a real cosmic struggle. A struggle where the the powers of darkness seek to extinguish the light. But John tells us, of course, that the light has come into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. We will read those verses Wednesday night for our candlelight service. And in those dark moments with lit candles, we will be reminded that the light shines brightly in the darkness. And the darkness cannot win. The great dragon sought To destroy Jesus before Jesus was ever alive. But the Bible says that God had a greater plan. The war on Christmas isn't what you think. The war on Christmas is far more sinister. The war on Christmas is far more serious. But the war on Christmas was not to be fought with keyboard warriors instead it was fought with a conquering king the second thing that we see this morning is that Jesus is more than you realize the woman the Bible says gave birth to a child who would rule all the nations with a rod of iron when we speak of Jesus how often do we speak of Jesus as a king who would rule all the nations with a rod of iron How often do our children come home and tell us their Sunday school lessons and go, we learned about King Jesus who will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. We tend to emphasize the grace and the mercy and the peace of Christ, which we are not wrong to do. Let Let me say that. Our children come home and tell us they learned about Jesus and Jesus came into their heart or or they would like to ask Jesus to do this. Sometimes if we're not careful, Jesus becomes sort of a cosmic Santa Claus in the sky. Giving to us the things that we ask or the things that we desire. Listening to us when we're ready to speak to Him. But the Bible says that He is so much more. He decides the rules. He makes the plans. But not just that. Watch what Revelation 21.5 says. Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I make all things new. As evangelicals, we are right 
to emphasize personal belief in Jesus Christ and the necessity of individual life change that comes about as a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But sometimes we so emphasize the personal aspect of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we miss the broader picture of all that Jesus will accomplish. What if I told you that Jesus came to do more than to save you from your sin? Jesus came to redeem the entire world, all of God's creation from the curse of sin. Jesus came to make all things new, all things, not just personal salvation, cosmic salvation, ecological salvation, socioeconomic salvation, political salvation. This is Jesus's rule. The king who will bring about peace and joy, the king who will wipe away every tear and end death disease, and famine. Do you understand that when Jesus came to set all things right, to make all things new, he came to undo all the curse of sin, all of the curse. We got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis where we began in January. If you miss a lot of things in this series of sermons on the entire book of the Bible, I want you to hear me say this. Genesis and Revelation are bookends of God's Word, and they were written intentionally by God that way. Genesis presents a picture of Adam and Eve in the garden, and Revelation ends with God's people back in the garden. Do you understand that Jesus came not just to deliver you from sin? Jesus came to undo the curse of sin. He's winding back the clock. The Bible says that as a result of sin, all sorts of things happen. Yes, people would die as a result of sin. People would be separated from God by their sin. But what are the other things? You would work and labor and toil by the sweat of your brow because thorns and thistles would work to oppose God's people in God's garden. Do you understand that in the new heavens and the new earth there will be no briars? There will be no thorns. There will be no thistles. Gardening would be an easy task. A joyful task. Would it be work? Yes, work is one of God's good gifts to us, but it is a joyous work that doesn't require us to beat back the curse. Do you understand, ladies, that prior to the entrance of sin in the world, childbirth was not a painful experience, but one filled only with joy. As a result of sin, we have death, pain, punishment, plague, famine, disease. Jesus came to undo all that has been done. My girls, one of my, my, my youngest especially, loves jewelry. But all, all my girls like to wear necklaces occasionally. And little girls are great with a necklace. Why are they great? Because they sometimes walk into your room with their hand like this. And they go, Daddy, can you fix this? Well, what is it, sweetie? And they open their, you go, oh. How did that happen? Right? It's like, that, is that, what is that, sweetie? That, that ball of glistening metal that's crumpled up in your hand. What's my necklace? It got a little tangled somehow. <laughs> a little tangled somehow? This doesn't even resemble a necklace anymore. I don't, did you melt it down and start over? But if you're a good dad, like I try to be, right? What do good dads do? We sit down. And then it gets harder because your eyes begin to get worse. Y'all, I thought that like old age would set in later, but you, you begin to stop, stop, stop. 
you know, but, but you do, you begin to notice just a few things. Like, I don't remember needing quite as much light as I now need to see these things, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And so, but you begin painstakingly to undo and to unwind. And here's what you know. Like, this is what you know as a parent. You know that somebody did this, Right? As a parent, you're doing this, and the whole time you're going, if they had just done what I told them to do with this necklace two weeks ago, we wouldn't be in this boat. If you're a really good parent, you don't actually say that. You just do it, and you smile at them, and you get, sweetie, I took care of you. But if you're me, you go, if you'd have hung this on the shelf like you were supposed to, we wouldn't be in this boat. Then you breathe, you go, okay, I got it out. Now let me try to fix it. But you're working. Imagine that Jesus is carefully undoing all the mess that we've made. Think about how messed up we can make the world. We're again like little kids who get the Play-Doh for Christmas, and what do we do? We take and we dump all the little cans of Play-Doh into one giant ball and make one giant ball of multicolored Play-Doh, and then they look and they go, it's not perfect colors anymore, and we we can't fix it. But you understand that we've done that with our world. We, we, in our sinful ways, we, we mess up so much. We dirty up the waters. And yet the Bible says that Jesus is literally undoing all of the effects of sin. Every evil tyrant and ruler will stand to account under Jesus. The smog that we see in our cities and in countries across the world, do you understand that when the Bible says that Jesus is undoing the curse of sin, that will be wiped away. Briars, thorns, and thistles will be wiped away. Cancer will be no more. Murder will no longer exist. Violence will no longer exist. Jesus comes to make all things new. Every single thing. Folks, when we think about Christmas, I want you to know that Jesus is more than you realize. He's more than a baby in a manger. He's even more than a Savior on a cross. He's a king seated seated at the right hand of the Father with absolute rule and absolute authority. The war on Christmas isn't what you think, but folks, Jesus is more than you know. And this morning, I also want you to know that Jesus will fulfill the anticipation of Christmas. Jesus will fulfill all of the anticipation of Christmas. Now, what does this mean? At least in part, what this means is that Jesus... Can I, can I call Jesus a politician? I don't know if that's okay, but if we think of a politician as a ruler, and Jesus is a king, then I would just say to you, Jesus is the only politician who ever fulfilled all the promises he would ever make. Right? So he would be the only good one. Not the only good one, but definitely the best one. When we think about Jesus fulfilling all the anticipations of Christmas, what do we think about as the anticipations of Christmas? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Like all of these existential anticipations, folks, it's a big deal for me because I know what it is to make these, to build up a, a Christmas experience and to create an anticipation that probably can't be fulfilled. Any of y'all ever sort of build these things up in your brain and they're bigger than they should be and you have a spouse that loves you enough to say, you know, that's really not going to happen? So what I've stopped doing is telling Angela what I think is going to happen so she doesn't bust my bubble. But like I, I have these, these visions of grandeur, right? Like, Chris, like I'm, I'm in such a bad 
I'm trying to not be in a bad place right now. But if y'all looked ahead, I'm always looking ahead. As soon as the two-week forecast puts Christmas Day in it, I'm looking. Because Christmas Day is supposed to be cold. You understand that? It is not supposed to be 70 degrees. I'm supposed to be able to build a fire in my fireplace on Christmas morning and enjoy that fireplace without having to turn the air conditioner on at my house. And if y'all think that I'm above turning the air conditioner on my house to build a fire, you don't know me very well. Okay? There will be a fire in the fireplace if I have to turn the air conditioner on. But I build up these, these pictures, this idea of what Christmas should be. All the little children gathering around their father saying, Dear Father, please read to us the Christmas story this morning. While we sip our hot chocolate and you enjoy your coffee and we sit quietly and listen. And then we sing a Christmas carol. And we give praise to the Father for all the good things that he's given to us in our earthly father and mother and all these beautiful gifts in this wonderful home. Folks, I'd like to tell you that that's not kind of what goes through my brain, but it sort of is. Right? I build up these pictures that nobody can get up to get can do. But do you do you realize that we all sort of have these anticipations when it comes to Christmas? We're we're longing for the world to be different if for only one day. We see flashes. Picked up a book this week on the Christmas truce of World War One. You ever seen those? The spontaneous truces that broke up in no man's land in World War One against the expectation, against even the commands of their officers. These troops came up out of the pits where they were hiding. They came up out of their, their lines and they crossed into enemy territory. There are pictures. There are pictures of enemies sharing cigarettes and cups of coffee and playing soccer games. For just one day, they celebrated. There was peace. There was this glimmer of hope. These are the things that we pray for, that we anticipate. When the, when the angels said to the shepherds, Peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom God's favor rests. Do you understand? They said, Peace on earth. As in peace over all the earth. Do you realize that Jesus comes not just to save you from your sin. He will bring about the destruction of all things bad and wrong and evil and hard. Swords will be beat into plowshares. There will be peace. Do you know that when it comes to Jesus, we can never expect too much. Because He's more than we could ever hope for. More than we could ever dream about. Jesus will fulfill the anticipation of Christmas. But what about this dragon? We can't expect too much of Jesus, but what of this dragon? There are many names for him. Liar, accuser of the brethren, serpent, god of this world, angel of darkness, prince of the power of the air, Lucifer. He is the enemy of Christ and God's people. And if Jesus is more than we could ask for, understand this dragon is in opposition to all that Christ would bring about. What do we hope for at Christmas? What do we pray for? Goodwill, peace on earth. What gets in the way? Evil, selfishness, Satan, accusations. But Jesus will fulfill the anticipation of Christmas. Then what comes of this dragon? Remember this, Jesus 
was born and the angel came to Joseph and he said to Joseph, you, should, you, you, you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Not might, not could, not perhaps. He will. This is what Jesus will accomplish. The book of Revelation gives the picture of the end. Jesus wins. We get to see the curtain pulled back. The curtain pulled back and we get to see the picture of what is to come. Revelation gives us the whole story. Not just the beginning, but the end. And in it, all of our hopes and dreams find their amen in Christ. Do you know, amen, what does that mean? It means it's finished, it's said, it's true, it's done. In other words, they are fulfilled in Jesus. When we pray and we say amen, there's sort of an acknowledgement, an understanding that having said these things, we're finished with it and we're leaving it in God's hands and trusting that these prayers will find their answers, their fulfillment in God's purposes. But where does that bring us today? If Jesus is enough, but there is a war on Christmas, and we don't really appreciate how much Jesus does for us, and we've not seen yet this full fulfillment of all that we long for, what hope do we have? How do we know that the dragon has not overcome? The Bible says that the dragon failed to devour the baby in a manger, but watch, he succeeded in swallowing the man on the cross. Jesus did not die at his birth, but Jesus was murdered on a cross 33 years later. What this great dragon didn't realize was that the Christ on the cross is not the same as the baby in the manger. The Christ on the cross was not Satan's victory, but Christ's victory. When that great dragon death swallowed Jesus Christ on that spring day, Christ became the poison that would overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave. Death swallowed Jesus, but in that moment, death was destroyed. Revelation 12 doesn't end with verse 6. Instead, it continues with these words. Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him how? By the blood of the Lamb. Do you understand that we miss Christmas if we don't tie it in with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? We celebrate a baby in a manger, but folks, we would never celebrate a baby in a manger were it not for an empty tomb. The baby in a manger would not be good news for us were it not for a bloody cross and an empty tomb and a ruling king. Jesus is more. So I ask you this morning, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Oh, we can look at our manger scenes and we can begin to think that, baby, I've got something on Jesus. And we celebrate this baby, but I ask you, is Jesus enough for you? Do you see Jesus as more than a baby in a manger? Do you see Jesus as a Savior who has overcome the cross? Do you see Jesus as a great conquering king? 
Do you see Jesus in all of his fullness as the king who will bring to fulfillment all that he has promised? Do you see Jesus in all of his fullness as the king who will wipe away every tear from our eyes? Do you see Jesus as the great dragon slayer? The overcomer of death. Is Jesus enough? I assure you, Jesus is all you need this Christmas. Jesus is the world's greatest gift, not because he was laid in a manger. And we need to be regularly reminded of that. Jesus is our greatest gift, not because he was laid in a manger. Jesus is our greatest gift because he was laid in a grave and walked out three days later. The gift of Christmas is the baby who came to die. The hope of Christmas is that this Christ child will one day return and bring his reign to earth. Is Jesus enough? He is. You see, that's not a question that could be answered in the negative. When I ask, is Jesus enough? It's sort of like saying, is Jesus really enough? But we've got to finish that question, don't we? Is Jesus really enough for you? Have you decided that Jesus was enough? Have you invited this king to rule your life? To overcome your dragons? To deliver you from your sin? To rule your present and your future? In just a minute, we're going to sing one of my favorite songs for our invitation. We're going to sing a song called Revelation Song. And it's a song of praise and glory and honor to the King. This morning, if you belong to Jesus, I want to invite you to sing with me to that King who is worthy. It's not a Christmas carol. But folks, it is the most fitting song we can sing on the back end of a song from Revelation But today, if you need that king, if you need that salvation, today, if Jesus has been too small for you, if you've kept Jesus in a manger, and today you need to see the king seated on the throne of your life, today, rather than just sing, I ask you to come to acknowledge your sin and your need. To repent, that means to turn away from your sin and to come to Jesus. He comes to make all things new. And that's bigger than you, but watch this. It is also you. Jesus comes to make you new. Would you come today and be saved? By the one who has overcome. Baby in a manger, not in a long time. Instead, conquering king.
ready, anxious, and willing to rescue you from the grip of this great dragon who would accuse you and drag you to the pit and instead to deliver you to life eternal. This is the King to whom we sing. This morning as we sing, would you come? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I thank you that Jesus is enough. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, I pray we would never get so wrapped up in the trappings of Christmas, in the baby of Christmas, that, Lord God, we would forget the conquering king of Resurrection Day. Father, that we get so wrapped up in the baby in the manger that, Lord God, we would forget the Christ who calls us to more, the Christ who alone can save. Lord, as we sing, would you be glorified and honored, but, Lord God, as we sing, would you move in the hearts of your people? Father God, would you move perhaps in the hearts of those who are not yet your people? Lord God, would you give somebody today the courage to trust you when they haven't trusted before? In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us this morning. Stand with us this morning. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, come today and experience a God who is more than you know. A Christ who has overcome. A Savior who will fulfill all of your expectations and anticipations. A Savior who will not only bring peace to the earth and goodwill to men, but will bring peace to your troubled hearts and good even into your family. Sing with us this morning. Would you come?